Welcome to Conversations with Coaches, where top executive coaches talk about the tools that shape their practice and then give them to you for free. This is a stakeholder-centered coaching production where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. I'm Brandon Murgard, CEO and Master Coach, and I'll be your host as we take you inside the coach's toolbox. The best part of this season is you get all of the tools. We are giving each resource to our listeners for free as part of our mission to measurably improve leadership effectiveness around the world. You can download the tools at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. That's mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And by the way, if you are a stakeholder center coaching certified coach, you already have access to all these tools inside your SCC coach portal. So get yours today. Before introducing my guest, I want to give some context as to why this has become such an in-demand episode. We have recently conducted some Q&A sessions for our certified coaches, both live as well as collecting some questions through a web form. And a common question came up in just about every session. It was, it was like clockwork. Um, we've had the question come up before, but not in this frequency or in this volume. And the question was about using stakeholder center coaching in academia, in the academy, in schools, and in educational institutes. And whenever this question comes up, whether by email or in a live stream, the very first person I recommend the asker to reach out to is none other than the Bill Summers. So without further ado, William Summers, PhD, is a practitioner who integrates theory into leading and facilitating schools. Hailing from Austin, Texas, he can be described as an educator, a principal, an author, a leadership coach, a consultant, um, and as you'll get a chance to see firsthand today, also a very passionate learner. Um, in fact, he's come out of retirement multiple times to put theory into practice as a school principal finishing even his most recent assignment uh, this year, in fact. He's a certified stakeholder-centered coach and holds multiple other accreditations and certifications. Bill served on the board of trustees of the National Staff Development Council for five years before serving as president in 2006. He's the former executive director of the Secondary Curriculum and Professional Learning for Minneapolis Public Schools, and has been the Senior Fellow for the Urban Leadership Academy at the University of Minnesota. He served as an adjunct faculty member at numerous institutions, including Texas State University, Hamlin University, University of St. Thomas, St. Mary's University, Union Institute, and Capella University. Bill has been a program director for an adolescent chemical dependency treatment center and on the advisory board of a halfway house for 20 years. Bill is also the author of 10 plus books and is the chief editor for Learning Omnivores at learningomnivores.com, which we'll get into today. So Bill, welcome to the episode and thank you so much for donating your time to share some wisdom with our network. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoy uh, expanding some of the options for stakeholder coaching. Yeah, I think this is I think this has been a long time coming. Um, you know, 
uh, as you and I have, have briefly discussed in our community calls before, um, my introduction to, to applying stakeholder center coaching was actually in a for-profit um, education institute. And I have the slightest glimpse of what stakeholder center coaching looks like in the um, academy. But I, what I hope to do today is to get into what that looks like at a ground level, because you've been doing this um, as a principal for so many years. So can we begin by exploring kind of how coaching made its way into your very colorful uh, career as an educator? Well, I was ready to leave education in 1983. I had been a knuckle buster, the attendance and discipline guy, and uh, my nickname was the executioner. I still can, I still can do that. <clears throat> but in 83, I was ready to leave, and uh, my third principal, who happened to be an ex-nun, said, go see this guy named Art Costa, and he's doing thinking skills. And I remember saying, what does thinking skills got to do with schools? And uh, I'm, an old, I'm an old physics major, so I was like, get the algorithm, plug it in, get the answer, move on. So I went to hear this guy, and he started talking about thinking, and then also started talking about this coaching thing. How do we increase reflectivity among professionals? And so I actually got in on the ground floor of the uh, think tank that developed cognitive coaching, which is a reflective model. So that works for people who have the ability to reflect. But since I had a minor in industrial relations from the University of Minnesota, I started reading off the business side. And so as education wasn't producing as many good, in my opinion, mental models that were helpful, I started looking to the business side. And somewhere in the teens, 2000 teens, I read this book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And I said, who in the heck is this guy? <laughs> I got to learn more about this, which which um, actually I put in a call to, or an email to Marshall and he actually returned it within two days. I couldn't believe it. And uh found out where the tra training was, and I think it was like 2017, maybe, maybe 16, that I showed up with Frank Wagner and got trained. I'm going, this, reflection is one thing, but this has meaningful relationships with the people that are receiving your leadership, metrics, and really focused uh, on leadership development. So I've been... I can do reflection and other things, but I really have been centered 90% in the past few years on stakeholder center coaching. I think it can change education. Let's get into that a little bit. You know, what, what is the, um, as an educator, you see stakeholder center coaching as a very powerful force um, to shape education. What is missing in the current mental models that stakeholder center coaching fills? Well, the current model is, as a principle, you have to do evaluations for probably a third of the tenured staff and every non-tenured staff. And every, every year, and I've coached principals for over 35 years, every year I'm going to get in those classrooms this year, and then it's April. Oh, my God, I've got to get the evaluations done. Well, there's nothing wrong with you here. Sign here and I'm done. 
first of all, there's no feedback that's meaningful. Uh, haven't even talked about what were your goals for the year, et cetera. So what I found is with stakeholder center coaching for myself, but then as I do it with principals, the people who are receiving the leadership are giving you the feedback on are you making progress or not. Now, by going through the process of getting feedback from the stakeholders, choosing one or two, and usually what comes back in the principle, a good principle, says, oh, God, I got to do five or six. They said, you get one. And if I'm in a good mood, it might be two. <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't do one or two, you can't do five or six. So, and what's also happened is what the principals figure out is the stakeholders that they trust, because they identify them, not that they necessarily like them necessarily, but if they got a problem, they know this person's honest. And so what they find is that trust is in increasing, psychological safety is increasing, and there's a better bond organizationally with leadership and teachers. I've also uh, coached uh, custodians and uh, non-certified staff. So, so can you, for those of... Uh... For our audience who isn't fully familiar with stakeholder-centered coaching, can we for a moment just do a, a thought experiment? If I am one of the, um, let's say that I am a teacher in your staff, um, you're taking on an interim position, and you announce, hey, we're going to be doing stakeholder-centered coaching. I raise my hand and say, Bill, what is stakeholder-centered coaching? Can you explain it to me, sort of how you would introduce that to a school? Right. Well, how I introduced the last school, which was last year, got the leadership team together. And they, I said, you don't know me. I said, I can stand here and tell you, you, you should trust me, but watch what I do and see if it matches what I say. Because I can talk to them blue in the face. Let me get this out right away. Knowledge is important and insufficient. You got to do it. You can't just talk about it. So I said, I have two questions for this leadership team. Uh, number one, look around the room. Are these the people you want to get in trouble with? We're going to get in trouble. So are you, are you in it? The second question I have is, will you tell me if you think I'm wrong? And of course, out of the back says, well, you're the principal. I said, I didn't ask you that. <laughs> it said, I'm coming in here as a kind of a turnaround guy. I said, you got to tell me, don't let me walk off a cliff. So then I say, stick with the coaching. I'm, I'm going to pick those people who I think trust and will give me the honest answer. I'm going to ask you four questions. What am I good at? What are my challenges as a leader? If you were God Empress for a day and you had one or two things you could change and build, what would it be? And number four, are there any alliances out there that I need to be aware of? Because one place I went into, I had to smoke it out that the HR director is married to the district AD. I want to know that going in. <laughs> because you get, so what I said, then I'll take all those things, pick one or two, go back and say, this is what I'm going to work on. And then I'm going to be checking in every couple of months. And then I will have, well, Karen Wagner does a, the assessment, a mid-course and a final assessment. And so 
I hope to be a positive 1.0 on a negative 3 to positive 3 scale. So you're using this in an interim uh, type of role. Um, I have two questions. The first is, how are people generally responding to the way you introduce stakeholder-centered coaching? They go, this is different. (laughs) (laughs) What planet did this guy come from? (laughs) But we're going to level the playing field, and it's about trust. And I remember Marshall, and then there's also a book called Unleashed that's on on the list. This is about you, not about me. So, you know, I, I think what happens is, um, well, Ray Dalio in his book called Principles says you need to be radically open-minded and radically transparent. And if you have the confidence and competence to be transparent, you're going to go a long way to build trust and move on to real important things rather than CYA or anything else. Beautiful. This is Bill, this is jam-packed with nuggets already. Thank you. So the the shock value, it's always there for stakeholders. There's always everyone scratching their heads saying, what in the world is this? Do you see resistance on the backside of that? Well, there's, there's always a group that sits out and says, is this guy for real? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if you've had a lot of false starts or a lot of um, BS, even though my initials are BS, uh, <laughs> Because you've had a lot of BS in the past, and you're, you're not going to believe anything until you see it in action. And so the stakeholders become your conduit to say, yes, he really does believe this. Yes, he really does do what he says. And so then it expands out. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you are the person who is collecting feed forward, sharing your action plan, sharing your goals. Are there others who are working for you that are also going through the same process? Well, uh, ab- absolutely. absolutely. Matter of fact, uh, uh, one of the, my APs from last year, I, uh, I'm working with and saying, all right, identify who are those six to eight people that you trust. Not that you necessarily like them or don't like them, but you trust them. If they walk in your office and say, we got a problem, you're going to pay attention. And so he's identifying them right now. And I said, then we're, I'll go out and do the questions that all come to me. I'll put it in themes. We'll sit down and pick, you know, first of all, I'll give him a script to say, this is why I want to do this. But what's going to happen is he's been there one year. He's excellent. And he he's going to be a wonderful principal down the road. So I, I really want to support him on a track uh, that's going to elevate his leadership. You know, because I've got... 40 years of experience of all kinds of things that worked and 40 years of experience of all kinds of things that didn't work. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so depending on what happens, we will, you know, a few years ago, an elementary uh, principal in an urban school, uh, we did a checklist. You know, Marshall has a six point checklist where we picked up six things and she said it, it because she was doing that on a daily basis. It made all the difference in the world. Go ahead. You got this much repertoire, but you only need this, but you don't know what that is. So you better have a lot of repertoire. Mm, So stakeholder-centered coaching helps you distill the salient points. Okay. Um, And you mentioned your your AP, which I assume is associate principal or? Yeah. 
Is that fair to say? Um, when you take these interim positions, because this is, this is relevant for stakeholder center coaches, either in education or in business, you are going in, you're leading the way as um, a coachee, collecting the feed forward, you're building those communication um, pipelines, and then you, you leave. Does the associate principal fulfill the principal role thereafter, and that's your contribution, or how does that usually work? Well, when I take this on, usually if the superintendent calls me, I know they're in trouble. Because mm-hmm. I don't play games, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so... If you don't, you know my reputation, and you don't, you don't want me. If you just want somebody to sit there and monitor and make everything, uh, so when I when I take these on, I say, you have somebody inside that you want to develop, or is this a short term position? Now, generally, when I do two or three years, I can do the transfer and succession planning. But when this year the superintendent decided to go outside and pick another principal, that's their call. You know, like Drucker said, whoever's got the responsibility makes the decision. So, um, you know, I'm I'm going to miss them <laughs> because <laughs> we really did make a lot of headway. However, mm-hmm. in the one time I did a one year, it slid back in six months. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I think the, the the next question, your response can range anywhere from observational data to pure conjecture, uh, anywhere in between is fine. When you think about the impact that stakeholder center coaching is having on these turnaround uh, opportunities you're working in, do you see the impact coming largely from the fact that you are role modeling this and then leaving them with those systems? Or do you see the impact being that you are helping others to start applying the systems like this associate principle? If I don't do it, why would I expect anybody else to do it? Mm. Matter of fact, in, uh, I just read a book, Wisdom from the Bullfog, at McRaven. And I had never heard this quote before, but he quoted Pope Francis. The shepherd should smell like his sheep. Mm. I was blown away. Oh, yeah. Good. So, you know, I, I, I know as an educator, you're faced with so much input, so many books, so many models, so many um, assessments, so many everything, and it can easily become overwhelming to learn. So tell me a little bit about the, the, the tool that we'll be talking about today, which is these, these book summary. Can you introduce the, the summaries that we're talking about today? Uh, sure. The, um, first of all, I never read till I was 38 in 1983. I was a physics math guy. Give me a problem. I'll solve all day. Who wants to read a book? And so this guy mentioned Arcasa, who's been my mentor for 30-some years or 40 years, he started quoting some work of Charles Garfield called Peak Performers. And I'm going, I've had so much smoke blowing up my pant leg. How do I know if that's true? I actually picked up the book and read it to check his veracity. (laughs) And I, I found out two things. One, it did say what he said it did. And there were some other things in there. And I'm going, you can learn from a book what a concept. <laughs> so, as I'm doing my dissertation, you know, I'm taking all these notes and stuff like that. And so, 
about, oh gosh, I don't know, 2015 or whatever, we started my friend who has now since passed, I miss him dearly, Skip, and I started learningomnivores.com. And we would host, host uh, you know, people to, I'd find somebody that I want to learn from, Edgar Schein, who's now since passed, Peter Block, I mean, some big hitters, Sally Hawkinson was going to do it before COVID. But anyway, some big hitters in education and that. But what I found was people would come to these things and they wouldn't read the book. So I started preparing summaries so that they would have some idea of what an Edgar Schein or somebody might say. Well, then it got to be where I would use some of the summaries to do parent newsletters. I would also use the summaries when I'm talking to a teacher about something they have in mind that they want to do or a leader that I'm coaching. And I'd say, here's a summary. I know you don't have time for a 200-page book, but here's 20 pages, which is more than you probably do anyway. So keep in mind, Mark Twain said, those who don't read have no advantage over those who can't. So... Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of educational leaders reading. I get it. It's time. I, but if you don't read or at least rub shoulders with other people who are learners, it's really hard to only do what you've done. The other thing that uh, helps me is I see things in business that are going to hit education faster because there's a quicker feedback loop in business versus education. They say, well, how do you know your kids are going to do well? I said, well, let's wait till they're 30 years old and then I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, they walk out as, as a 12th grader. I don't know. You know, you're, you're hoping for the best. The problem with that is parents and business is on a 20, 30 year time lag. When they went to school, it was good enough, maybe. And so I keep saying, whatever it is now, it ain't good enough, which got me back to the Marshall's book. <laughs> so you and your your friend Skip, um, you noticed this, this issue, there's too much information, not enough time, and you put together the site. So tell us, we know that the summaries are on there. What else will people find when they go to your site? Well, it's called www.learningonnumbers.com. And when you go on, it says resources. So I put up um, new rules, things that irritate me. And I, <laughs> I write about it with references so people can read it. One, one thing I put up was, uh, are you an orange or a peach? And I got that metaphor from Frank Wagner, who's been just wonderful and generous with his time. Um, so there are the new rules. There are book summaries. It's really what, you know, I read a lot, so you don't have to read as much. Now, a couple of superintendents tell me, they read my summary to see, do I want to really spend time on this book? And there are some books that I do defensive reading because the book sucks, but <laughs> I want to know what it says. So if I'm up talking to someone, I can tell you why I think it's either useful or, or not. Um, and then I'm starting to develop time savers uh, for principals, uh, weekly announcements or uh, uh, newsletters and stuff that 
it just saved them time. They can put their own tin on it, but um, so I'm starting to develop that. And, you know, a couple of people said, why aren't you charging for that? I said, because I'm a contributor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want the world to be a better place. So. Yeah, you know, your presence here is is simple evidence of that. Um, so people will find these time savers. They're going to find some some summaries. They'll find your blog. They'll find uh, some of the books that you've also written that I can see you have right here behind you. You want to give a, a quick quick introduction to these four, these yeah, four on, books on there is a list of publications that I've either co-authored or authored. The one that just was uh, came out in June was called uh, Compliance Cop to Culture Coach. So we spent decades doing test scores. How's that working for us? We got more disaffected mm -hmm. kids. We got more dropouts. This is ridiculous. So to a, a, a culture coach, from what I've, from my experience, if you can't get the culture right, not much is going to happen. And the culture's got to be right for the staff. Because as Art asked me once, what are you doing to create a mentally stimulated environment for your teachers? And I said, I got to do that too? <laughs> and typical art says, well, if you don't do it for the staff, why do you think they'll do it for kids? I'm going, darn. Ah, the beauty of feed forward right there. Yikes. So let's say that I'm, I'm a coach listening to this. Okay. I, I also am aware that there's, there's scores of books out there. Um, if I were to to download this tool, which has your top ten articles, your top ten book summaries relevant for uh, for leadership coaches, what might be um, some of the books that I'd see on that list? Well, some of the books you first of all would see uh, Marshall's book on what got you here, what what won't get you there, because you have to have, and this this is straight out of stakeholder coaching. If you don't have Chad. There's nothing I can do for you. Now, CHAD for me is an acronym for courage, humility, and discipline. Because if you don't have the courage to confront real data, the humility say, I'm not as good as I want to be, and the discipline to follow through. A, a quick example, in a, in a very large urban district, I was commissioned by a foundation to coach 12 principals. And by Christmas time, I called the foundation. I said, I'm firing four of them. And they said, you can't fire them. I said, they're not following through with anything we talk about. I'm not going to waste your time or money. And so, so I, I really take Chad seriously, courage, humility, and discipline. Um, the next, next ones you would find that I put on this list was How Women Rise and Rising Together how Women Rise with Marshall and Sally Helgeson, who's premier women leadership. And I'll, I'll just say it. We need more women and people of color in leadership positions, period. Get over it. This is a multicultural country. And so I just, Sally has spread, has expanded my knowledge base tremendously. I'm a white male. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember the uh, one of my teachers last year said, when we looked up looked you up, they said, what's a 76-year-old white guy going to show for us? And then the next thing he says, God, were we wrong? <laughs> I said, scrap it on. 
So other books, uh, Amy Edmondson's uh, Fearless Organization on Psychological Safety, huge for organizations. And I've done that as a pre-test and a post-test and had other people that I'm coaching do that to see what the level of trust is in there. I put, uh, I think on the first stand, I put McCraven's book in there. He's got like 21 different different uh, uh, things from being a Navy SEAL. One of the things that really is important is have a bump plan. I said, what is a bump plan? He said, assume it's not going to work. What do you do now? Which, when you think about the Osama bin Laden issue, the helicopter went down. They had already practiced that. I'm going, wow. So what's the solution after next? Because not everything works. Um, let's see, what else did I put on it? Trying to remember what my uh, list was. Um, oh, corner office. Um, Adam Bryant did a survey of 70 CEOs and came up with five things that CEOs had to have. And number one was intellectual curiosity. If yeah. you're not curious about things, what well, you know, you got to do that. Now, team smarts and fearlessness and all those things are on there as well. I think. Reading anything by Adam Grant, I just think he is amazing. Give and take, originals. Um, think he, again. He just has a, a lot of great books. Uh, I think I've got two or three of those on book summaries. So I've got a lot of summaries that I haven't even gotten on the website yet. <laughs> so. so you know, as a as a very passionate learner myself. Um, and thinking about my own bump plan, I tell myself, hey, I'm going to go on. I'm going to download these. I'm going to read all 10 of them. I'm going to get 10 books worth of knowledge in an evening. Thank you, Bill. Um, in reality, the bump plan I should be creating is, so what? How are you going to implement it? How are you going to track what you've learned? So as an educator, speaking to someone who may be downloading this and it'll sit in the downloads folder until it gets deleted, what could someone do to increase their likelihood that they'll learn and apply the summaries that you've created. Number one, whatever you read, tell somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. Because as soon as you tell somebody, oh my God, did you ever hear about this? As soon as you tell somebody, it embeds, it's like forced review, and that person gets to hear what you think. And then tell somebody else. And then write an article about how this is something you want to consider. And then if you can't take the knowledge and make the world better or the school or the organization better, so where, how can you, by reading something, attract others to your vision, to attract them in and say, this is because of this, but I know I want to, I, I want to see if we can satisfy this issue that's coming up. So that's how when I'm, 30 years ago, a woman named Suzanne Bailey, who was a wonderful trainer, uh, looked at me in a group and said, you're a synthesizer. I never thought about it that way. But i it's not one thing. Oh, I, I do a lot of proverbs in that. Think about this proverb, a Yiddish proverb. Beware the prophet who carries only one book. Mm. So synthesize whatever you can from many different sources 
and apply it to your situation. So if if you live alone and have a dog or a cat, tell your dog or cat what you like. <laughs> I like it. My dog is so sick of hearing the books I'm reading. Goods. <laughs> so download it, read it, tell someone that you know. So I would, I would issue a challenge to all of our listeners then, and that would be to, if when you download this resource, find something you learn and then, you know, either reach out to Bill or I by email or even post it on LinkedIn and tag the both of us, tag Stakeholder Center Coaching, tag somebody, um, and we can see how we're actually learning from these summaries and putting it into practice. Now, um, tell me a little bit about how you use these summaries as a coach. Well, as a coach, depending on what the issue is, and you know, I usually start with the 20, we have, you know, 20 statements or, or questions uh, in stakeholder coaching, although I've adapted some of them, you know, more to an educational. Um, so based on if, you know, if it's delegation, building trust, uh, being a uh, uh, better presenter, uh, instructional coaching to a person, it just depends on what their issue is. I can bring to bear, I don't have to even give them a five-page five summary. I can say, here's a one-pager that might be something worthwhile. And your best learners are going to come back and say, you got more of that stuff? <laughs> Which mm. I, all I'm trying to do is enroll them and reel them in. Good. So you do you generally accompany a summary with the book? Do you say, here's a book. I know you're busy. So here's a summary as well. A couple of my APs, I actually write a, will buy a book for them. <laughs> so um, once I know that they're hooked into it and want to do that, uh, let me also explain not only my coaching principles, and of course they're coaching their teachers, but I have a couple of uh, principals now who have teachers who are going are using stakeholder coaching with students, getting students to be the stakeholders. Now we've only had one year and two classes, but I've got three uh, principals who are going to work with teachers to do it in classroom. I think this has huge potential for kids. First of all, their involvement. Kids are when they're part of it, they're they're I, I go back to oh god, this has to be 20 years ago. I had a math teacher who was getting his doctorate. And what we did was I coached him in front of one class of geometry and didn't coach him in the other class. What was interesting in the coach, the class that were coached, number one, they did better. And when I interviewed the kids, it was like, we just thought Mr. Monkunski was good at math. We didn't know he went, thought through all this stuff. And, and it, after about six weeks, the kids were going, ask him this, ask him this. <laughs> <laughs> they started participating. I thought it was wonderful. But you got to ask so, a teacher who's willing to do that, too. Oh, it's got to be terrifying as a teacher, but but clearly the results uh, the results will speak for themselves. As our conversation unfolds, you may be wondering, what is this whole stakeholder center coaching thing? It's a leadership development process that guarantees leaders become 
both recognized and acknowledged as more effective leaders by key stakeholders in 12 months or less. Nearly 5,000 coaches have been trained in this methodology. The coaching program is designed to build functional expertise from three stages, intellectual, practical, and applicable on the job. In addition to graduating with the most rigorous research-driven coaching methodology on the market, you'll also walk away with measurable coaching results and a lifetime certification to show for it. We don't just believe in what we do. We stand behind it. And that's why we are giving away complimentary access to the first stage of the training to anyone listening to this podcast. Get your very own access code today by visiting mgscc.net forward slash sample dash course. Let's tune back into the interview. So if I'm, if I'm a principal or I'm an educational leader or I'm sitting in a business office thinking about, you know, a new project team, um, how, how do you go about establishing this, hey, I'm going to coach you in front, of, in front of your stakeholders? How do you go about presenting that and getting buy-in? Let's, let's have a conversation and see if you think I can help you or, you know, assist you because you're the one doing the work, not me. But, you know, let's let's just talk about it. What What is it involved? You know, and some have said, well, and I had a, a, a system principal last year because um, I had several. One said, there's no teacher I trust. Okay, that's over. <laughs> there's no point if you can't trust, you know, the people who are receiving your leadership, this game is over. So we did a different kind of model. <laughs> I'm still the principal. Doggone it. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you navigate that resistance? Surely you have some some unfortunate experience with hard-nosed teachers who may not be interested in actually collecting feed for it, sharing an action plan. What do you do? Well, if if they really are not giving any feedback, you know, like the mid-course surveys or whatever, and they're not giving feedback to the person I'm coaching, then I, I I will have a conversation or have the person I'm coaching have a conversation. Is this something you really want to do? Because if you don't, let's just end the relationship. I call it honorable closure. Let's not get into blaming and you didn't do this. You know, if, if this is not something you can sign on for, because what I find with is a, a teacher who has that, or a principal who has that humility they're more willing, you know, the teachers are set, are willing to be part of how can we improve? And they want improvement too. So you start with a hot core center of your stakeholders, but that spreads very quickly. Um, but sometimes you have to have the hard conversation. And um, I didn't put that on my list of 10, but there's a book called The Hard Things About the Hard Things. <laughs> One of the things he said, yeah, I'm going to clean this up. If you're going to eat dung, don't don't nibble. <laughs> Get at it. <laughs> what a quote. What a hard-hitting quote. I have all kinds of quotes. <laughs> oh, this is, this is so good. So, you know, expanding our scope here some, thinking about, uh, you know, the people who have asked the coaches who have asked about uh, implementing stakeholder center coaching in uh, the academy have ranged from, hey, I'm working in elementary and middle schools, 
I'm doing high schools and um, at the university level as well. So what's your perspective on stakeholder center coaching in uh, higher education? Uh, it's probably the hardest one you'll ever find. Matter of fact, um, prof professors and people in higher ed are known for and their identity is wrapped up in their knowledge base. So how do you teach is not necessarily, now it's not universal, you know, but most of them want to hide behind their podium or hide behind their notes. It's getting better, but it's still, I'm known for my expertise in a narrow uh, knowledge. So that sometimes is really hard to get them to have, show that humility on uh, can I do better? But I will tell you the, the profs that I've worked with that are willing to do that, the satisfaction surveys go right through the roof mm -hmm. because the people feel like you're take, you're listening to me, you're taking me seriously, and you have a genuine interest in improving um, uh, your, your craft of teaching. Uh, another thing that I do recommend, depending on the person, is take improv classes. So I'm on the board of an improv group. And when I started taking improv, it scared the bejesus out of me. But it's the best thing I ever did. My life is improv as a principal. So uh, another thing is just, just happened um, because I spent 35 years in Minnesota is where I'm usually known. So the superintendent group in Minnesota is starting to talk to me about doing a book talk once a month based on my book summaries. Because superintendents are being pulled politically all over the place. So how do you keep your focus on learning? Matter of fact, most superintendents that have coached said they'll spend 50 to 75% of their time managing a board, not necessarily working on instruction. And when we look at uh, this implementation model you discussed for, for professors in this, in this, uh, in this model, are the, the students the stakeholders? Are the other professors the stakeholders? Well, it can be either or. Uh, it's really important if they have a department where they really want to do improvement, individual improvement, because then you've got your colleagues who are willing to sit in your classes and give you feedback. And, you know, so that you know, and all this is you know, good feedback, but Marshall's right. It's feed forward. There's nothing you can do about the past. What are you going to do forward? Let's, you know, we we'll learn from the past, but let's let's do something different and see if, if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same outcome. So if you can get uh, some professors in a group that are willing to do this, but I've only done that once because there's such ego issues that, that's really hard. So usually, usually I end up with the with the students. Um, so I mean, I literally I've had trouble getting a professor out from behind the podium. Nobody's going to hurt you. <laughs> Get away from your notes. Talk to them. <laughs> oh God, what have you read lately? <laughs> So you, you see more resistance there at the uh, the teaching level than you do at the administration level. Oh, yeah, like. yeah. 
Um, in terms of when you apply stakeholder center coaching at the administration level, are you seeing more net impact than when you apply it at the teaching level? Yes, level? because it, it's, you know, it's like Marshall talks about Alan has affected how many people. So when you mm-hmm. get a leader that is really getting feedback, et cetera, notice that they've got several departments and people that they deal with and parents. So the impact, it's kind of like, I don't know if you read the spider and the starfish, but a spider, if you step in her head, they're dead. A, a starfish, you pull one leg off, it'll regrow a leg. So you're trying to get a, you know, out there as a starfish started going. It made a difference for this one. So you can impact more if you can get the, the gatekeepers um, on your side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, tell me about the development plans for your for the, the summaries. You said you've got a backlog of summaries that are finished but aren't uploaded yet. Is that right? I, I, again, I'm not a tech person. So uh, I think on the last uh, work, didn't, didn't on office hours, somebody talk about chat GPT? And so I've got to mm-hmm. follow up on that because I'm thinking that, you know, AI scares me. Because <laughs> I watched a presentation, and they said, "Well, that's really not Morgan Freeman." And I'm going, "So now you're telling me AI is not credible?" So, but I am interested in last in our office hours, and I can't remember was it Rob or I got to circle back. Maybe Dan Sittner. GPT can help me turn these around faster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, books, by the way. You've got your own library there, Bill. That's amazing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've still got a hundred that I haven't even got notes on. But you have notes on twelve hundred books. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Bill! That is phenomenal. Good for you. My goodness. The problem is there are direct quotes out of the book, so I can't be selling them or distributing them because they're so. Sure. That when I do a summary, I take that and then I try to put it together and something cogent form and add add pieces that I think are worthwhile because I can't just, you know, dump summaries out there that are direct quotes. So that's why I'm thinking there's you know, chat GPT, even though I'm a techno peasant, uh, <laughs> might be a solution. Mm. Well, um, Bill, the good news is this season we will have had uh, Michael Beal, out of the UK at Henley Business School talking about um, AI and creating an AI cheat sheet for coaches. And we'll have Mitchell Levy, who will be talking about credibility and also how he uses AI in a credible manner, both as a coach and as an author. Um, so we'll be filling some gaps and, you know, I'm going to be learning, learning as well, because you're not the only one who's just a little scared by the whole. Uh, oh, I guess whole, I can learn something yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got two books that are just coming today that I can't hardly, I can hardly wait to get into. What's what's in the mail for you today, Bill? Well, one is probabilities in everyday life. How do we teach kids probabilities? I, you know, I took calculus. I have yet to use it. <laughs> Man, mm-hmm. So probabilities, statistics, probably something mm-hmm. I could I could use. And the other one is. Uh, uh, language is that leads that Marshall wrote the uh, forward for. 
So based on what came out, I, I ordered that book. So I'm waiting to dig into that. One that I didn't mm-hmm. put on the top 10 was A Time to Lead that Frank put me on to. And I think this is really important because I've used this in several conversations so far. I had never heard of Zingman and Folkman and Zinger. They did some research. And when I saw that research, if you've got you know a fatal flaw and no signature strength, you're at 18%. No fatal flaws, no signature strength, 50-50. And if you have a signature strength and no fatal flaws, 81%. Whoa, that knocked my socks off. Thank you, Frank, again. <laughs> Yeah. for leading me yeah. down the right path. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's almost scary. I mean, it's scary how uh, obvious it is and yet how terminal those fatal flaws, unbalanced, can be. Um, in terms of your reading, um, let's say your rate of reading and summary, you know, if you were to put together a summary of this probability book from the time it arrives today, today to the time you'd have a summary out, what's the life cycle usually look like, or the timeline usually look like? A month, because I've got to finish a couple more. Wow. I, one I want to get on is uh, called The Last Dropout. Um, a guy named Bill Milliken started doing street academies, uh, and it's about wraparound services for kids. I mean, if you don't have food, I don't think the quadratic formula is going to be real high on your priority list. So they're, they're in about 270 schools now, and I've actually uh, signed up to volunteer in Austin. So I mm. do want to get that those notes out. It's more for education, obviously. But so it'll probably be wow. a month or so before I get out. That's impressive. It's a month or so for more than one book plus a summary. That's that's impressive. And I, I want to remind our listeners that the resource that you, you will get from this episode is uh, the top 10 book summaries that Bill has for coaches. But if you go to learningomnivores.com, you're going to see all of them that are published now. There's no, uh, there's no paywall. There's no login wall. It's all there for free. What you'll get here is a download for 10 of them that you can access offline in PDF format. So be sure to check out learningomnivores.com. So, um, Bill, I'd love to know what are some of the key learnings that have come for you as the author of these summaries, as you've put them together and published them? Well, by me reading it, and I I still do underlining and touch the book and dog your it and whatever. And so then when I go back through it and look at my... um, Look at my notes and I take whatever I think is important. And so I'm actually doing like three different reviews. You're reading and take, walk me through that one more time. You're reading it and annotating it. I underline what I think is important. Then I go back and reread what I thought was important. And then I'm putting it on a computer file. So I'm really getting like three shots at it. And so then I do a summary. Okay, and it sounds like you're using physical books, not much of an ebook guy. Yeah, I, I, I've done a couple ebooks, but I'm still I'm tactile. I like to. Oh, there's something about a smell of a book too, right? And the first bend and crease of that that spine. Mm. Yes, a good book. Um, well, you know, if I'm if I'm a coach, okay, I'm working with leaders. I, I see coaches frequently recommending recommending books. Um, 
are you okay if we hand out your, distribute your summaries to clients who maybe don't have time to read the books we want them to read? Absolutely. Or just direct them to learning omnivore. Bill, it is my understanding you're working on publishing a book right now about stakeholder center coaching. Is that correct? Yeah. For educators. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I've uh, actually written it with another stakeholder center coach, uh, Betty Burks, who's been a superintendent, where I have only, I've been an assistant suit, but basically principal. So uh, we started collaborating. Um, matter of fact, because I was talking to her about stakeholder center coaching, she then came out to San Diego and took training from Frank. <laughs> so, so. We said, I said, you want to do this together? Because I don't have as much experience with the superintendent. So um, I'm talking to Carwin Press uh, uh, after this conversation. And uh, the acquisition editor that I'm talking to has already published like six or seven of my books. So um, I'm very hopeful. But Marshall wrote the forward. And, you know, tell us a little bit about what's inside. You know, if I'm an educator or yeah, it really just takes, you know, stakeholder and center coaching. How do you do that in a school and how do you uh, enroll the leaders? And then how do you help them get stakeholders who are teachers or custodians or non-certified staff, et cetera? And then, you know, talk about uh, follow-up. And then there's a chapter at the end with one of my people I've coached for two years and she's a principal up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And she's the one who first started experimenting with students. So she wrote one of the chapters. So I'm kind of excited about uh, um, getting that published out there for educators. Because I just don't think our evaluation system is, um, let's just say it's not as productive as it could be, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. What would you say are some of the? Tell us what you really think here, Bill. How how effective is it really? Well, our our evaluation system. You know, we walk in and say, "Oh God, everything seems okay." Okay, you know, come on. (laughs) That's feedback. That doesn't. Like I, I I worked with an assistant superintendent last year. He says, "Oh, you're so good. You're so." I'm going, can you tell me specifically what you think I'm good at? Well, no, you're just that people like you. That didn't help me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, whipped cream doesn't yeah. help. Feedback? Feedback is a skill, and it's a really hard skill to learn. And I think that's one of the, the um, true impacts of Feed Forward is it has such a short learning curve. There's no shame and no obligation like there is with feedback. And all you have to do is say thank you. It's easy to receive, easy to give. Uh, but there is that, that learning curve. So what would you say are some of the unique aspects of implementing stakeholder center coaching in education versus doing it in, say, a business environment? Well, education is not used to this, but it is getting direct feedback from the people that you are leading. Having uh, my supervisor write up an evaluation on me Basically, is the parents don't want to kill you, so you're good. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how quickly and how important it is to get real, honest feedback 
or if, and again, to use to get better, um, to do feed forward from the people who are receiving their leadership. So when I left this last school system, I got three evaluations or, or recommendations from three teachers. I'm done sending out superintendent evaluations on them. They really don't know what I do. <laughs> mm. But the teachers had to live live with me. <laughs> they know exactly what I did. Everybody in the school knew what I did. So I'm I'm now gonna send out the three three I and I could get more, but three's enough. <laughs> you know, Bill, I'm curious about the stickiness of of the process. Go ahead. Well, and I think also the focus. Okay, people have lots of ideas, but let's focus on one or two and get that on your belt. And you know, if you do one or two, a couple of other things will be solved on the way. So mm-hmm. you've got you've got metrics, you've got feedback from specific people who are receiving your leadership. You got a way to way to judge it, and it just builds trust in the system. So if I am a, Bill, I'd like you to imagine that I'm a coach listening to this episode and through your words, I've become inspired to serve or volunteer or give back to uh, the education system locally, wherever I might be. Um, You know, what would be some potential steps I could consider to be more involved in helping leaders helping improve leadership in schools? Well, would this, would this be people who are stakeholder coaches? So that's number one. Sure, let's assume. I, I yeah. think number one is you go through stakeholder coaches, you're having a coach, and you go through the process. Because two of the principals that I coached two years ago are now coaches. There are very few educators. Mm-hmm. What do you got, 5,000 coaches? In, in, mm-hmm. Stakeholder coaching? I bet there aren't 10 educators. Mm. So number one, go through it yourself and mm-hmm. then see what what comes out of that. I'm telling you, I'm getting positive 2.5s. Unheard of. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just I'm going. Karen calls me and says, well, it's 2.54. I'm like, what? <laughs> and for anyone yeah. not familiar with a scale, it's a minus three well, to plus three, three scale. Of, three. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. 2.54. Amazing. Um, so if so, let's pick this apart a little bit. If I am not, um, let's say I'm a stakeholder center coach. I'm not an educator, but I do want to give back. One recommendation would be to reach out directly to school leadership and say, hey, here's what I can do for you. Let me help you out. Um, describe the process and get rolling. If I am an educator and I'm not certified, is there a resource I should read in order to bring this into my school? Would you recommend reaching directly out to a coach? Well, I think... Uh, you know, coaches uh, like Betty or I or Laura, who, since we've been doing it, it's easier to give somebody who's got experience who here are some things you need to think about. Um, but bottom line, I'll go back to Chad. That person's got to have that courage, humility, and discipline to do this. 
Uh, right now, superintendents and principals are leaving like crazy. They're just tired of getting beat up. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if you can't, in my opinion, if you if we can't create the cultures that are going to attract and retain our best teachers, we are really in serious trouble in public mm -hmm. schools. And private schools will get the same, you know, same results, but uh, eventually. But I, I think you really have to have the courage to do this. This is not easy. Now, one of the reasons that I really got really involved with this even more is there's a guy named Jim Knight, who is a fantastic instructional coach from the University of Kansas, written many, many books and has a whole group of instructional coaches. He called me, I want to say five years ago, and he said, will you coach me? Now, the only reason I'm saying that, he went out on Twitter and told everybody that I was his coach. <laughs> so, so this is not like private information. And I thought, I said, Jim, and I've known him for a long time. I said, you're asking me to coach you who does all this coaching for schools and principals on instruction. He said, yes. He said, I want to grow my own organization. <laughs> so I said, well, this is the way. This is stakeholder coaching. I'm just telling you, you got you're up for this. And he's got humility up the ying yang, and he's a great learner. So he went through a year of stakeholder coaching. Thank God he got a positive 1.6, or I wouldn't have gotten paid. <laughs> at that point, I was doing exactly what Marshall and Frank and Chris are doing. <laughs> And I rarely get somebody who will put their, you know, the whole money on. Most of them want to do a monthly contract or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's got to be six months to nine months, or we're not going to see much movement. But, I, but yeah. I also, I'm not going to spend time if it if it isn't working and you're not doing it. How do I know anything works? Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. So if there are educators out there who want to get started with stakeholder center coaching, don't have an inroad uh, to reach out to coaches, would you be willing to field some questions, maybe point them in the right direction? Absolutely. Absolutely. How could, how could they reach out to you? How could they get in touch with you? Well, uh, my email, Learning Omnivores, it says contact. My email and phone number is on there. But if you're going to email me, put SCC in the heading. Because I'm such a great technology person, a friend of mine said, "Why don't you answer my emails?" And I said, "What's your email?" And he said, "Laurie at Hotmail." I said, "I thought Hotmail was a porn site." <laughs> As a principal, you don't want any any connection to a porn site. So, so SCC put it on there, so I will recognize it and answer it. <laughs> Bill, you are such a delight. Uh, good. So again, ladies and gentlemen, that's learningomnivores.com. You can click the contact us. Um, if you want an email, you can send it to podcast at mgscc.net and we'll connect you directly to Bill. Um, and then another question, Bill, if there are certified SCC coaches who don't have inroads at a school but are happy to um, offer their time and expertise, could they also reach out to you directly? Would you know how to where to point them? Absolutely. I, I really do want to be part of getting SEC into schools because I really do think it can change the way we do school.
Good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. If you are a, a stakeholder center coach and you want to give back, if you're an educator and want to bring stakeholder center coaching in, uh, reach out to Bill on his website, or you can drop us an email podcast at mgscc.net and we'll connect you with Bill. Well, thank you, Brent. Thank you, Brent. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, this is this has been a, a delight. I appreciate um, your insights. I think this, as I said, this is a long time coming. People need to know how to apply this in, in education. And I'm right there with you in saying this is necessary. And now is the time. We need to elevate leadership and learning. Good. Well, Bill, thank you so much for giving your time, giving your wisdom. Um, again, if people want to reach out to you, they can go to learningomnivores.com. And if any of you at home have a question or would like to recommend a guest, you can send an email to us, podcast at mgscc.net. And remember, if you want to get access to the top 10 book summaries relevant for coaches, you can get that at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox, mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And if you're already certified, then you have access to all of these tools inside of your coach portal. So ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Uh, My guest, Bill, thank you for joining us. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen at home, uh, on your car, listening in at the gym for joining this episode of Conversations with Coaches with the book summaries by Dr. Bill Summers. Um, You can find links to his social media below. This has been an episode of our series, Conversations with Coaches which is a stakeholder-centered coaching production where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, remember to keep learning, keep improving, and keep taking your coaching skills to the next level.